Hi, everyone. You're listening to the Thought Row podcast. It's time to think creatively. I'm Rod Jones. And I'm Angie Jones. This podcast is all about inspiring creativity in your life. We will be sharing thought-provoking tips to help you be more creative every single day. Tune in each week for a new episode. We will be featuring some very talented and some interesting guests from all over the world. Our guests include creative people like artists, musicians, writers, performers, chefs, venters, entrepreneurs, and many others. Yes, we want everyone to know these guests are not only creative, but they have insightful stories and information to share with you. Also, these talented people have such interesting lives and personal stories that are motivational and inspirational. When you tune into our weekly podcast, Inji will share with you an inspirational quote. I know you'll find it to be motivating and a great way to start your day or keep you on track throughout the week. Yeah, just to let you guys know, the quotes that you hear on the show are available as screensavers for your phone or computer. It's available as a free download on our website at thoughtrow.com. Lots of inspiration to enjoy every day just for you all as a thank you gift from us for tuning into our podcast. Angie and I have been living the creative life for many years, and we want to share with you our tips, and our secrets of what we've learned along the way. That's right, Rod, and I think everyone will benefit from the stories and experiences we share. So, everyone, please remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We would love for you to tune in. Thought Row listeners, today we have a formidable writer, C.M. Curtis. He has published 11 fiction novels, and five of them have been number one bestsellers on Amazon. Others have managed to reach the number two spot, and I want to add that I'm currently reading on Kindle, The Three Lives of David Kelly, which we will discuss later because I'm loving it. This is great. Thank you for being with us, Craig. Oops, I wanted to call you <laughs> C.M. Curtis, but I know you mostly by Craig, but I assume you, that don't, works. you don't mind if we call you Craig, do you? Absolutely not. Oh, good. <laughs> so... We have some really tough questions with you to start off with, and I know our listeners are going to want to know this one. This is always a deep, penetrating question. Uh-huh. Uh, everybody <laughs> wants to know this about every writer. And our first question for you is, what did you have for breakfast today? Well, today I had gluten-free pancakes. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Good and healthy. Well, actually, most gluten-free pancakes that I've tried are awful. But uh, this Truth. particular brand, I really love. So, And what do you put on top of it? What are your toppings? Butter. I just put butter just on Just butter? It. You don't put like yeah. any kind of fruit or anything like that or yogurt? No, you can, but uh, yeah. no, I just, I like it with butter and that's it. Sounds good. Okay, so our listeners, you heard it here first. <laughs> what a writer <laughs> typically eats, well, not so typically, but what this particular writer has for breakfast. So what's our next question Okay, our very first question is, what is your favorite topic to write about? Oh, well, you know, that's kind of a hard question because um, I have so many, I I can't even say that I have a a favorite topic to read about, uh, but the topic I've written most about is the uh, American West, Mm -hmm. um, the Old West, but I can't say that it's that I enjoy it any more than I have enjoyed writing about other topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's just say that that's certainly one of them. And most most of my books have been westerns, although I've written 
some that are non-Westerns that, that have done very well. Well, picking up on that, what was the very first book that you published? Return of the Outlaw. Mm. And, that, and that is a Western. Yeah, I, I, by the time I published, by the time Return of the Outlaw got published, I had written several more books, and uh, none of those were Westerns. But uh, Return of the Outlaw took off, and my publisher said, I want more Westerns. So mm. I do enjoy writing Westerns, and I love the American West, and it's been a, a subject of, of that I've studied uh, intensively for many, many years. So that's, uh, you know, so most of my books are Westerns. So your books, then, you you really are into Westerns and the West and the Old West. So you do you do, do research about it. It's just not all fiction and that's it. Right, yeah. Yeah, I haven't written any, any nonfiction books about Western history or anything like uh-huh. that, but I do... I do a lot of uh, research, but actually uh, my blog, now my blog posts are all nonfiction. I've posted blogs about different uh, Western outlaws and different characters, Mm -hmm. uh, Western characters, and I research their lives and and the significant events of their lives very thoroughly before I write about them. Okay, and then so what is your blog URL? So if someone's listening and they want to go to it, uh, it's on my website, authorcmcurtis.com. Okay, perfect. We'll get Thank you, you there. Yeah. You know, Angie, in the very beginning, mentioned The Three Lives of David Kelly. Which is not a Western. Yeah. No, not, not at all. But Angie tells me about it. Every time she reads a chapter, she comes and tells me. He's God, like, this is oh so my good. gosh, I'm reading this book with you, and I'm not even reading it because I have to tell him everything, Craig. And, it's just crazy. And the <laughs> thing that she says that impresses me the most is the sincerity of the writing and how you kind of reinforce people's positive relationships towards each other. Now, Angie, you talk about that. Okay, let me tell you about it. It's such an emotional (laughs) and insightful book about the humanness of everyone and how we perceive our lives and how we really truly affect other people's lives and the, the turn of events. So it's just really a captivating book. And I, you know, when I'm reading it, I really wonder are there any real life stories that inspired you to write this book? Because it's just so, um, it's so emotional and so real. Uh, there is an aspect of the book, a couple of aspects of the book that, that I kind of took from my life. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I wasn't killed in Vietnam. No, no, <laughs> I kind of figured like out that. that part. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know. It's it's completely different from anything else I've written. Yes. Um, but it happens to be the favorite of my, I have uh, four sisters and I have a lot of nieces and my sisters and my nieces say that that of all the books I've written, that's their favorite. Well, it's um, quickly becoming mine because it is, there's not a, a slow moment or a lagging moment in it yet. And I think I'm about halfway through it right now. And I know, you know, when you read certain kinds of fiction, there seems to be chapters that are kind of like fillers and they kind of droll on about this or that. And you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to skim through this part because there's not really a lot going on. But with yours, not like that at all. And it's fantastic. I think we can safely say that uh, NG is highly endorsing you yes. read that book. I think everyone should go to Kindle yeah. and read it. Yeah, I, I mean, this I'm, is, not, this is not a blatant plug. No. <laughs> we, she it's just seems honest. to be very yeah. passionate about it, yes. and I can tell because of, because of the way she uh, 
speaks to me about it. Yeah. Okay. This next question I want to ask you is a question that I almost hate to ask. And the answers generally are somewhat similar. Maybe you can throw a little bit different perspective on this, but every writer has advice for other writers. And I know you uh, are developing a course for writers. Mm -hmm. Uh, What would be your best advice for new writers? Can you give us, uh, can you tell us about that a little bit in three words or less? <laughs> Let's see. How about six words? Read a lot and write a lot. You okay. need to be constant, constantly reading and you need to be constantly writing. Those are two things that writers have to do, read and write. So many, I've, I've known so many people who talk about a great idea they have for a book. I've had friends who have written the first chapter or the first couple of chapters of a book and never completed it. I had one friend who just, all he would ever do was rewrite the first chapter over and over, and he'd submit it to me. I'd read it. I'd say, this is great. It was. He was a brilliant writer. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'd say, okay, finish the book. I want to <laughs> see the next chapter and the next chapter. And what he would do would be to go rewrite the first chapter. But but so when I say write, you know, finish what you write, but read constantly and write constantly. Those are the, the two biggest things. Yeah, that's always good advice and you hit the nail on the head all too often people keep trying to perfect it and never really truly get the perfect paragraph or the perfect sentence or the perfect line and i don't know yeah. if there if such a thing even exists and every paragraph every word every page every book resonates differently with the reader sure. but uh, but i think your advice there was right on at least for my yeah, thoughts. I, I really think it's good too. My question is, is I know you have a kind of a different way of actually writing. So <laughs> explain your, I'm going to say process, but it's not really process. Explain how you write. Well, I think she's the, kind of referring to the way you, uh, the way I used you to dictate. Write. You, the way yeah. you dictate, dictate. which yeah. is yes. with Yeah. Uh, actually I, I, the last few books, I haven't done that, but, but, um, my first probably eight books I dictated and, mm-hmm. and I had a typist. The first one or two, I had uh, uh, an aunt who was my typist. After that, it was my wife. Mm-hmm. And I would dictate because I le- had a busy life. Everybody does, and I'm no different. And, right. and, uh, but I found that I could, uh, you know, I had a, like a 30-minute commute to work. So, so that's an hour a day that I could be dictating in my car if my wife sent me to the store. Uh, it wasn't a long drive, 10 minutes there and 10 minutes back. That's 20 minutes of dictation. And it's amazing how much you can get done, just bits and pieces of time to dictate. I, I can point to sections in some of my books that I remember were dictated out under a tree in front of the tire store mm. where, where uh, I go to buy tires. You know, everybody periodically, we have two cars, my wife and me. And so, so you know, uh, periodically somebody's car needs tires and uh instead of sitting there and reading golf magazines or something right um i would be outside dictating so i you know i I did that but but i reached the point where i had a little more time and i started I'm, i'm a very slow typist but i started typing the books and and the last few i have typed myself Okay. So what you're telling us is the muse hangs around the big O tire company and that we should all drive and park over there and dictate our books. Yes. 
Well, my muse, I'm not going to share with you. So I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you what tire shop it was. Russ will all flock there to write, right? That's right. <laughs> well, um, what I like that you did is that you took whatever snippets of time and you turned it into a real mindful way of exploring your creativity and furthering your creativity by writing and really tapping in. And and then you call upon that resource quicker, I think, because it becomes like a muscle reflex. So I think that's really cool that you just did it wherever you needed to do it. Yeah, that at that time of my life, that was really the only way to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. And then also considering your favorite writing genre, what really got you in the frame of mind to become a writer? When I was uh, a boy in elementary school and mm-hmm. high school, I hated writing because in those days we didn't have laptops. We wrote everything out longhand cursive and I'm very poor handwriting. Uh, I'm a very slow writer mm-hmm. and it was laborious for me. And the result was usually a lot of frustration. Plus, I wasn't really as devoted a student as I might have been. I, I have to reveal that. Who was? Time. Yeah, who was? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, if you had said to me at that in those days, at some point in your life, you're going to be a writer, I would have said, no, you're wrong, because I hate it. But uh, I was in my late 30s, I guess. And I read a book. I was a Western. And when I closed the book, I said to myself, I could do a better job than that. Oh. And um, chances are at that moment in time, I was wrong because I didn't have the, the practice. I didn't, I hadn't developed the skills yet, but I like to think that, that ultimately I did do a better job than that. Um, but that was kind of what, me, what got me started. I said that to myself and myself said back to me, put your money where your mouth is. Mm-hmm. And so I started writing. Well, it certainly paid off. I mean, in, especially for people that read your books. I know Angie, notwithstanding, who really enjoys reading your work and myself, but we know other people that have really embraced your uh, writing, especially your Westerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems to be becoming more and more popular, not only in the United States, but around the world. I know Japanese yeah. people really love Westerns. So my question to you along those lines is how much background research do you do on your characters when you write these books? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting question. I remember years ago before I started writing, I read an article about Louis L'Amour. And, you know, you can't really talk about Western authors without mentioning Louis L'Amour because he's the most well-known of all the Western authors. Uh, in my opinion, he's not, not the greatest of the Western authors. Uh, I was reading this article about him, and it talked about how his wife, uh, did uh, a great amount of research helping him uh, write his books. And I thought, why Why do they have to do so much research? It's, these are, they're just Westerns. Can't he just sit down and write it? But now, as a writer, I understand you have to research. Um, you could do it without the research, but, but your book would be, I think, kind of flat. You need to have some knowledge of the, the region and, and the customs and the people and mm-hmm. everything. So uh, I do uh, quite a bit of research for my books, not just prior to to starting a book. Most of my research is done while I'm writing. You know, I'll reach a point where there's something that I need to know. You know, I need to know in this Western town, was there, do we have a record 
of the name of a particular saloon or a particular restaurant so that I can say uh, he went over to Hopkins restaurant, not just say he went to a restaurant. Mm-hmm. It makes you know. the book more interesting. Right. So tell us, I know writers will want to know this. They think that it's kind of important for people to get an idea where and how you do that research. I mean, you do it online. Do you go to a library? I, I think you told me once that you go visit various towns and do a little uh, archaeology. Oh, like the ghost towns. Yeah, like the ghost towns and search things out. I hate to use this term too, but I assume some of that inspires what ultimately ends up on the page. But where do you do your research? Where do you get your info from? Well, all of the above. But I have have a lot of books uh, of my own that I can research, uh, reference, reference books. But nowadays, like most people, I rely heavily on the internet because there's so much information at your fingertips there. You have to be careful. You have to be selective because internet uh, information can be false. You know, there's a lot of, right. uh, a lot of junk uh, on the internet, but it's, it's uh, a great resource. And that's one of the things I, I rely on uh, a lot. But also there is a uh, newspaper a little newspaper here in Arizona, mm-hmm. in the Phoenix area, and it's um, it's about Western history, and they they do a ton of research. And people, because they're well known, people send them information that nobody else really has. You know, Ooh. private individuals who happen to have somebody's diary or some documents of something, and and so uh, I have subscribed to their service where you can get all the past issues because they've been doing it for, I don't know, 20 years or so. And I can go online and I can look up past issues and I can get a lot of really good information. Right, right. You know, so many articles. You can imagine how many thousands of articles they've published over the 20 years that they've been doing this. That makes sense. Total sense. And then um, my question to you is, Craig, you said you liked writing Western novels. Can you imagine a day when one of those or one of your books are turned into a movie? Actually, I can, and I hope I don't sound conceited when I say that, but no. but I, I think I would like that as long as they don't make it into some stereotypical silly thing like they sometimes do in, right. in Hollywood. Right. Understandably. I mean, you want to remain true to your your creative works and not dilute it. So you don't want your Westerns to become, to quote a country Western song, a Coca-Cola cowboy? (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Correct. And I I realize that you can't make a movie that's exactly the way the book is written. I realize that there have to be some some concessions made, but you you can still keep it true to plausibility. Yes. I I think every author, I mean, you can name a lot of famous authors where their books have been turned into movies and you always hear them after the fact say, God, you left out a whole section of the book and they didn't have time to put a whole book in a movie that very rarely could ever happen. Right. Um, right. Except for maybe, except for maybe war and peace. That's like a four hour movie, but that all, that all being said, you only could get so much to go from a novel uh, to the screen. It, it's just yeah. a tough thing to do. And some uh, producers or directors have made some movies that actually have made people want to go read the book. I think that yeah, is... Yeah, in reverse. That's yeah, true. it's reverse Very to say, true. God, that, that was really good. I'd really love to read this book and know more about what the author had to say about this character or what actually happened between the the scenes of a particular movie. So we hope that you get a call from Netflix <laughs> no, <dear Lord. laughs> or, Amazon. or Amazon or somebody like somebody. that, Hulu. 
you'll be the first ones to know if I do. Okay, okay good. Fantastic. Okay, so who is your favorite Western author? And do they live in Arizona? Or did they live in Arizona? <laughs> no, uh, it's uh, Ernest Haycox, and he's been dead since the 1950s. Uh, a lot of people haven't heard of Ernest, but uh, he was, in my opinion, the, the greatest of them all. And his books are hard to find. Well, I guess you can find them online now. There was a time when you could go into a books uh, a bookstore and go to the Western section, and uh, you'd see William Moore books and maybe one or two Ernest Haycox books. Now, uh, it's rare to ever even find a, a Haycox book. He's kind of forgotten, but mm-hmm. anyone who likes Western novels needs to go online because I'm sure you can still find him online and get an Ernest Haycox book and mm-hmm. read it, and you'll probably like it so much you'll want to read more. Oh, great. That's interesting. So who is your all-time favorite author? Like, that's not Western. In the whole wide world. In the whole wide world. Well, I have read a lot of different authors in my time, most of the the greats, and I'm a fan of John Steinbeck. My all-time favorite is Patrick O'Brien. Okay. A lot of people haven't heard of him, but I think he is the most, was, he's dead, but the most amazing writer that, that ever came along. Okay. Good to know to know you know craig if you had to do this all over again and i both angie and i think this question to ourselves sometimes um if you had to do it all over again what would you change about the way you pursued becoming an author well the first thing i think i would change would be to take that typing class in high school that i didn't take (laughs) because i didn't think it was manly enough (laughs) i thought typing was for girls you know yeah that was that was how how mature i was but (laughs) <laughs> hey, you so I didn't, I didn't learn to type <laughs> it didn't do me any good and no. e- <laughs> even now i'm a very slow typist but but i i get by but that's the first thing i change i guess i would probably start sooner i would realize that that you know i i have this uh thing in me that i enjoy writing and and it's worked out pretty well for me so i would i would start sooner but you know then again you have to you have to ask yourself if things don't just happen when and and in the way that they're supposed to right right and do you have a favorite book that you like to read like a particular title that you oh, re- reread over and over again where you just keep going back i reread mm-hmm. uh <laughs> it's gonna sound strange but that would probably be the lord of the rings trilogy oh really that's yeah, so different. I, I read. I, I know. I read those uh, books first when I was I was eighteen, mm-hmm. and uh, loved them. I had a, had a friend who was my age, and he was telling me about this these books he was reading, and he said it's going to sound strange to you, but uh, you know they have these they have elves, and there's these little people called hobbits and right. dwarves, and I'm I'm thinking, oh man, you know. I I just felt sorry for this guy. <laughs> that was just so unmanly. But, so um, unmanly. <laughs> I wound up reading them, and I loved them. And and uh, then you know through the years, every once in a while, I just say, yeah, I think I'll I think I'll reread Lord of the Rings. Well, okay. that kind of leads me to na- my next question. Besides being known for reading Lord of the Rings, <laughs> what would you like to be most recognized for? I think I'd love to be recognized for being 
devastatingly handsome. But uh, <laughs> failing failing that, I think I'd like to be recognized as just someone who has uh, given a lot of people uh, a little respite from the cares of the world. Well, I think you're That's achieving really that. Actually. Yeah. I think you're I think you're on track for that one. That's really a good one. My question is, is how do you motivate yourself when things are not working out the way you hoped when you're writing? Oh, that's easy. And and if there's anyone out there who is an aspiring writer or who is a writer and, and struggles with that, just write. Just sit down and write. And, and uh, sooner or later, it's going to start flowing. Don't even worry about how good it is. Mm-hmm. Start writing. You can throw it away afterwards. You can edit it. You're going to have to edit it anyway. The first draft, uh, in fact, who was it? It was uh, Ernest Hemingway mm-hmm. uh, said, and I'll, I'll edit this just slightly. He said, the first draft of anything is crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and it is. Uh, you have to just write. But, but once you sit down and start writing, you'll find that in a few minutes, it's going to start flowing and then you're okay, but but you know the whole thing about writer's block, right? Uh, forget, I tell people forget writer's block. Put that concept out of your mind. Just sit down and start writing, and and again, be careful that you're not too concerned about how good it is what you're writing. Don't worry about that. Just write, and then it'll happen. That makes a lot That's, of sense. It takes the pressure off of you. Just sit there and start writing, and then pretty soon things click for you. Yeah, and I think people yeah. all too often look outside of themselves for inspiration. I think the very yeah. first place you want to look, at least this is what I do in my art, my writing. This is what Angie does uh, when she writes and when she creates her art. It it took me a few years to figure this out, and um, I've shared this with Angie, and she's kind of adopted it. But I only look inside. I don't. I don't look at other people's art. I don't generally read. Uh, kind of contrary to what you're suggesting, I don't always read other people's writing um, because I have a tendency to psychologically try to copy it. But almost anybody that looks internally can find a lot of things to write about, a lot of things to create about. It's all within us. You just need to tap into it. And I think. A lot of times people are just afraid to listen to that own, that uh, still voice within. That's the voice that will tell you what you should be doing. And if you can tune into that, I think it makes things work a heck of a lot better than trying to get stimulation outside. And I really like what you said about writer's block. I think that term is a con job. I think people use yeah. it as an excuse uh, for failure or an excuse for laying around and watching TV all day and eating chocolate. <laughs> which I like to do personally, but that's just kind of the way it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I agree with you. It's, it's, it's within us. We have to look within. And, and you can talk about external inspiration, but whatever inspiration we receive, and I do believe in that, comes inside us, and we've got to pull it out from inside. It's not going to come from the outside. Right, right. Well, we don't want to take we, – we think we, uh, this has been extremely good. Craig, we really appreciate I've enjoyed your insight. It. Thank you, you for joining you us You share today. a lot of good information. We know our listeners uh, are going to benefit from it. Uh, we'll leave a link on our website so people can check your books out. And check uh, out your uh, blog. It, it, check out your blog. They could find your books on Amazon. We'll put a link on there. Mm-hmm. But actually, what I'm really interested in hearing <clears throat> excuse me, is some of the feedback that we get because people will comment on the things that you had to say and we'll 
pass those uh yeah, definitely. Pass that information on to you. And if somebody has a question that you would ask to like uh, the author, C.M. Curtis, we'll be more than happy to forward that question to you and let you answer it. Absolutely. I'd love to. Okay. So Great. so we hope to have you back on the show again. And you mentioned earlier that you were going to have a writer's course available. So yes. when we have that, we're definitely going to have you back on so you can tell us about it and tell everyone. Um, More importantly, yeah. can we get a free copy? <laughs> we might need it. <laughs> we might. I think we need it. <laughs> All right. Well, well thank you so much. I think you, you guys so are much. great. I really, so much. I really appreciate you having me on. It's been a pleasure. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. See you. Bye. I'm thankful that you and I had the opportunity to speak with C.M. Curtis, or Craig to you and I. Yes, I am too. And I had a few takeaways that I want to share with you, Rod, and everybody. And I, what I really loved that he clarified 100% was he had a no excuses attitude about creativity, which is perfect. And there's not a right time to write. There is no wrong way to create. You can create in little packets of time, like he was doing it 10 minutes here, five minutes there, 30 minutes there during his commutes or even sitting at the tire store. So there's definitely no excuses. I guess I guess my takeaway is not going to be as sophisticated or maybe even as insightful as yours is, but there's one thing that I'd like to point out. There are a lot of people that are very creative in a whole bunch of disciplines, you know, whether you're a painter or a composer or even an entrepreneur. There was things that Craig said, at least the things I picked up on, that no matter what you do, how you approach your creativity, he seems to be really dedicated to what he's doing, which I thought was fascinating. And like you said, there was kind of no excuses. Just get Mm -hmm. in there and do it. If you don't feel like it one day, do it anyway. Just even if you only do it for 10 minutes, you're going to make some headway. So I guess my takeaway, Ingie, is... Anybody can be creative, but it's really important to listen to how other people perform creatively because it gives you encouragement. It gives you some pretty cool ideas. It does. And you don't feel like you're an island of one person and you, you're drowning in these kind of overwhelming feelings of, oh, I can't create and I need to be, you know, put in a certain frame of mind. So, yeah, you know, we were lucky to have him. Absolutely. And hopefully we'll have other guests that are just as insightful as he has been or is. is Absolutely, been. which is leading me to the next episode cool. that you and I talked about. Can't and wait. I know. It's going to be so good. It's going to be the 20 things that Rod and I know will help you to become more creative. Yes. I'm really glad you tuned in today. We hope you enjoyed the thoughts and ideas we shared with you. We post a new podcast every week, so remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. So it's bye for now from my husband Rod and I, wishing everyone a great day. (laughs) 